the journey will be over. When all the prophecies of Scripture concerning the end time will be fulfilled and we can experience the great blessings of uh, Messiah's return. You know, we're not the first ones to even be talking about this. This was the concern of the church at Thessalonica 2,000 years ago. And if you were to read 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 and 2, and I'm not going to go through all that now, you find that they were talking about it right then. Right now for us, with the lingering effects of COVID, with the emergence of a new Cold War that seems to be developing across the world, the aligning of nations into blocks, you see that happening right at the moment, and the most dangerous conflict in Europe since World War II, many find themselves asking yet again, are we there yet? Are we at the start of the tribulation period? What's, what's happening? Have we reached that, that period which precedes the coming of Messiah? Now, some Christians have seriously suggested that we have. Uh, I heard of uh, one particular man, and I, I know this man personally, but he didn't tell me. He told his brother, he told me. And that is, uh, he, he was so afraid by what his pastor had said that he was thinking of selling up all of his property, moving right away from the city, right away from people, putting in a bomb shelter, and preparing for the last days. Uh, when I was in Cairns last year, uh, I had a, a, a man in one of my messages come to me and say, oh, my sister needs to hear this. She rings me every day saying, I am so afraid of what's happening because of what's being said in our, in our church. So as we start this tonight, I want you to know there have been people very seriously worried about what's been happening. And uh, what I want to do tonight is to start where we will ultimately finish because I want you to, to know why I'm going there and, and I've got three ideas in mind that I'm going to finish with and I'm going to start with them. The first is that we are called to preach Christ crucified. Our lives should all be about following the Lord Jesus Christ right now. That should be the main message of the church. It's good to talk about end times. It's good to know what God's word has got to say, but living the Christian life is what we're called to right at this point in time. Secondly, in the midst of trials and uncertainties which surround us today, and certainly there are lots of them, we must neither be consumed by our circumstances nor take our eyes off the Lord. We've got to be careful of that. Thirdly, we must recognize that there is a lost and fallen world that's all around us. People are watching us, folks. They're watching us as Christians and uh, they want to see a faith that will stand up, not succumb to fear and confusion. And unfortunately, the last three years or so, uh, there's been a lot of fear and a lot of confusion. And unfortunately, a lot of that has been coming from Christians. So let's address this question. Are we there yet? Have we reached the start of the tribulation period? Now, to be clear concerning the prophetic roadmap we're following on our journey, we're currently in what might be termed the church age, where we're given that privilege and responsibility of hearing and sharing and living out the gospel. As this present age comes to an end, the Lord is going to come in the air and he's going to take his church from the earth. He's going to take us to be with him in heaven 
where we will remain until the second coming. If you want to know detail on that, come along on Wednesday night because I'll be going through the rapture in quite a lot of detail. So this event that we refer to as the rapture of the church could happen at any time. It will come suddenly and there will be no warning. Now following the departure of the church, an emerging world leader, later revealed as the Antichrist, is going to make a covenant with the nation of Israel. We read about this in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. And with the signing of that covenant, the seven-year period of tribulation will begin. So that just gives you the broad outline. This covenant tells us the tribulation period has begun in earnest. And that's the the time from which our prophetic clock is ticking down till the return of the Lord Jesus. Now, good Bible teachers often say there is nothing that has to happen before the rapture can take place. And that's true. And yet, perhaps there are other things we need to at least be aware of. So let me explain to you. We have seen amazing prophecies fulfilled concerning the return of the Jews to the land of Israel. Those of you who are here this morning, you heard some of this. Ezekiel 36 and 24 says to the Jews, I will take you out from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Uh, for some of us, that has happened in our lifetime. And uh, it's, it's an ongoing process, and uh, we are, we're amazed uh, seeing the the nation of Israel reformed after 1,900 years of uh, dispersion. So in terms of our prophetic roadmap, the fulfilment of this prophecy is absolutely essential to allow for the fulfilment of yet future prophecies which require the Jews to be in the land. According to recent recent statistics, there are 7.5, 02 million Jews uh, in Israel. That's about 73.8% of the population. So the rest of the population, of course, is made up of Arabs and uh, people from other countries who've gone and uh, who've uh, joined the people in Israel. Now, why is it important? Well, it's with Israel that the Antichrist will make his covenant. So they have to be a nation so that he can make a covenant with them. It is in Israel that Gog of Magog will attack the nation and be repelled by God in the first half of the tribulation period. We'll talk a little bit more about this as we go on a little bit further. It is in Israel that God is going to raise 144,000 Jewish witnesses of Messiah. And they're going to be raised up with two special witnesses who will be in the city of Jerusalem. It is from here that Jesus warned believing Jews to flee at the midpoint of the tribulation. And it is to Jerusalem that Jesus will return in the second coming. So we need to see that they had to be in the land so that these yet future prophecies could be fulfilled. But concerning these key prophecies, all is ready. Israel's now back in the promised land and it's like, now we're ready to move on to the next step. Now the exact time between the rapture of the 
the, the church and uh, the signing of the covenant is not yet stated. Uh, we don't know exactly how long that's going to be. It may be a week, maybe a month, it may be a few months. Some say, well, it's going to happen immediately. Well, it may, but we don't know exactly. But there's enough evidence to say it should be a very short period of time between the rapture of the church and the signing of the covenant. There are some significant things that will have to happen leading up to that time. Here's the first thing. The first thing is the emergence of a leader who Daniel tells us will come from the old Roman Empire. This particular person needs to be groomed and ready spiritually and politically and he needs to be in a position where he can make the covenant with Israel with the authority to back it up. Now this being said, the specific identity uh, of this man as the Antichrist might not yet be fully revealed until after the rapture. We don't know exactly when people will be able to see him for who he's becoming in terms of the scripture. But we know that this person has to come. This emerging world leader has to come. In the early part of the tribulation period, according to Daniel, and I'll be speaking from the book of Daniel next Sunday night, but according to Daniel, this man is going to subdue three kings in Europe. He's going to form a new kingdom and there'll be a confederation with seven other kingdoms. So these are countries in Europe who are all going to join together, a confederation of ten. We often hear people talking about a one-world government. There will not be a one-world government until this one-world government because the scripture tells us that clearly. And once again, next Sunday night, I'll be talking about that in the prophecies from Daniel. man, this emergent leader, is the one that's described in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 2. And he's described in this way, riding a white horse, having a bow in his hand, having been given a crown, and then going out conquering and to conquer. So the question arises concerning this man, do we get a glimpse of any leader with the right prerequisites emerging from the shadows onto the world stage right at this point in time? of people who put forward names. Those of us who are a little bit older remember when Henry Kissinger was going to be the Antichrist. Uh, if you've been on the internet in the last few years, Donald Trump is the Antichrist. And you go on and there's a whole range of people uh, that people have speculated about. Speculations of no value to anybody. What we need to do is just see that the scripture says this is going to happen and this man is going to emerge out of what was the old Roman Empire. Now, with some of the conditions necessary for the commencement of this time, uh, while some may be in place, Jesus told his disciples specifically what we should be looking for. So, in other words, Jesus answers the question. What was the question? His disciples said to him, Matthew 24, when will these things be? And he listed several things which, need, which will indicate that the tribulation has commenced. So this is Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 9. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one 
deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Let's see if we can clear up a little bit of some of the the wording that we've got here. So, for example, the word pestilence that comes in there. One definition describes it this way. A widespread and devastating contagious epidemic. It's a disease with a high mortality rate and it causes widespread panic. (laughs) That sounds a little bit like what we've been going through with COVID. And so for some people, they've taken that and they said, ah, there it is, there's the sign, it's pestilence. And the pestilence is around us, the tribulation is about to begin. But did you notice that Jesus said in verse 8, all these, all these, all these, not one of these, all these are the beginning of sorrows, or more correctly uh, interpreted, uh, the beginning of birth pains. That's actually what it says. So if we take a, a literal reading of Jesus' words, we expect that the things he mentioned here will happen either at the same time or certainly in very quick succession. But they're all going to happen at a time that they can be seen together. All these are the beginning of birth pains. While pestilence is one of the signs of the end of the age, we currently do not have all of the other conditions existing at the same time. Now, if if you're like me, you're probably sick to death of the constant COVID reporting that we've had over the last couple of years and all the unsettling effects on our lives and livelihoods which accompanied the virus. First, nor the biggest pandemic in world history. In fact, there have been many pandemics across the centuries. Let me mention just a few so that we get this in perspective. In the year AD 250, going through to 271, one of the early church fathers by the name of Cyprian, who was the Bishop of Carthage, recorded a plague. Now, it must have been really devastating, at least in the Roman Empire, because it was estimated, listen to this, it was estimated that around 5,000 people a day died just from the day died. And Cyprian, at that time, in his writing, believed as a Christian that that epidemic was signalling the end of the world. That's what he thought it was. He thought it was the pestilence that is mentioned in the scripture. It seems we're not the first ones who've been asking that question. Are we there yet? Now, since that time, there there have been many uh, pandemics. Uh, From 1981 to 2020, HIV-AIDS claimed 
36 million lives. And that's still continuing today. A hundred years ago, the Spanish flu claimed an estimated 50 million lives. If we went back to the Black Plague, 1346 to 1353, it's estimated between 75 and 200 million people died from the plague. Now, up to the latest figures, and I got this figure this week, uh, it's claimed that uh, around 6.3 million people have died uh, to date. And, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't laugh at that because, you know, there are people who have, have died. As a matter of fact, I was listening to the news before I came tonight, and just tonight, uh, one of the uh, uh, health officers, he was actually a professor, was saying uh, that at the moment, the second biggest killer in Australia after heart disease, above everything else, is COVID. And there's more than 20,000 people now who've died here in our own country as COVID is still spreading. So it's not something to be laughed about. It actually is something to be uh, taken, taken seriously. But the question is, are we there yet? What about the wars and rumours of wars part uh, with the, the recent invasion of Ukraine? I, I, I don't know whether you spend much time on the internet, but I hope you're learning that it's not wise to just take everything that comes up on the internet as, well, let's say, gospel. Because as soon as uh, uh, Putin and his, his uh, warriors, if you want to call them that, his thugs, invaded the Ukraine stories started to come out. And here's where a little knowledge can bring great confusion. When we consider end times, we hear of Gog, of Magog. And we know this has some connection with Russia. Now, we believe Gog is a title. So it's like leader, the top one. Uh, Could be president, but it's a leader of Magog, which is a grouping of people from a particular part of the Uh, the land that is to the north of Israel. So with Russia's attack on Ukraine, some have expressed concern. This is the first part of the tribulation. And and they said, well, something's going to happen here now. Well, just before we go to the something that's going to happen, Daniel 9.26 tells us that the Antichrist will emerge from the territory of the old Roman Empire. Now, folks, Russia was never part of that area. So Putin certainly can't be the Antichrist, so we can dismiss him for that part. He's just an evil, power-hungry dictator. So where does the Gog of Magog idea fit into end times teaching? Well, we're told in Ezekiel 38 that a time will come when Russia, Turkey, Iran, Ethiopia and Libya, and some others will seek to invade Israel. Now, prophetically, we believe this is going to happen in the first part of the tribulation period, and Israel is going to be the target of their joint hostilities. Those nations are the the key nations who will be leading it. And this is what it says in Ezekiel 38, 16. You will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, 
Gog, before their eyes. So God's going to have a mighty victory. I'm not going to go into all the story. You might want to read uh, the, the notes that I had over there from this morning. I noticed there's still a few more there in our uh, shofar, and you can read about Gog of Magog in there. But God's going to have a mighty victory. It's going to be a, 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 a tumultuous victory. There's going to be huge hailstones that are going to pour down on, on this army when it attacks Israel. Uh, they're going to start to fight against each other uh, in this particular time. And uh, the army is going to be, there's going to be a huge earthquake and the army itself, what's left of it, who hasn't been killed, is going to be driven back to the north and Gog himself is going to die and be buried in Israel. That's, it tells us that much detail. When this happens, when God has this mighty victory, there's something that's going to happen in Israel itself. Because as the Jews see their God protect them supernaturally, they've also got the 144,000 witnesses plus the two in Jerusalem. There are going to be many Jews who will place their faith in Messiah as a result of what happens there. Well, concerning the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia, we ask, are we there yet? Well, based on scripture, the answer is certainly no. At this point in time, Russia, Turkey and Iran, now get this straight, do not have a formal alliance. Some of you are going to say, but wait on, they all, they all cooperate. They, they work together. They've been having meetings over the last couple of years. Aren't you aware of that? Yes, I'm certainly aware of that. But there's no formal alliance between them. The idea is we'll help one another as it suits us, as it works for our, our benefit and, you know, then we'll join you. But there's no formal alliance among them. Of course, they all hate the United States, so that's something that pushes them in that particular direction. But as part of today's uh, geopolitics, as a member of NATO, uh, Turkey, or Turkey, as they now call themselves, is opposed to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So they're certainly not joining together at this point in time. So we should not over-interpret things that look a little bit like prophecy being fulfilled in current events. Let me say something about this. And we'll come back to this very shortly. We live in, a, in an era where a lot of Christians have a reasonable amount of knowledge. Not a lot, know a lot about the end times. Some did back a a number of years ago, but a lot of people have either forgotten or they weren't clear or they didn't have good teaching or it was too controversial or whatever it might be. And so what tends to happen in our day is when something happens in society or something happens in the world and people see something that looks a bit like what they remember from the scripture, oh, that must be this thing back over here. And you'll see that in great detail very shortly. And what I want to say to you is what I say to people wherever I go. Folks, get your prophecy from the word of God. And then once you've got it clear what the prophecy says, then you can say, and do I see anything like that that matches what I already know to be true? Don't do it the other way around, which is what a lot of people on social media, uh, on the internet, 
there are people who are supposedly preachers coming out of the woodwork with their ideas about this is what's happening in our world. This is Don't listen to that, please. Go to God's word. Learn it from God's word and then judge these things you see, not the other way around. Well, there are many things happening in our world right now which could be part of the preparation of the end times. So we do need to be aware of that. So where am I going to go with this? Well, here are some of the things that we need to be aware of that are happening in our day and some have happened in the last couple of years. Here's the first one. COVID has increased the momentum towards a cashless society. Now, they announced a cashless society uh, many years ago, back in the, the 70s, that we would be a cashless society within five years and then within 10 years. And, and then we talked about the bank card and uh, the, the three Bs that were part of the bank card with a 666 and all sorts of ideas came up. And here we are all these years later, we're still talking about a cashless society. It hasn't happened yet, but it is happening. And it's happening rapidly and it's happening right around the world. And there are places in the world that you go to now that will not receive cash. You can only have a card. And uh, this, th- there are even some service stations here in Australia that have been working on that basis. You can't, you can't pay unless you've got a, a card. So there's been this increased momentum. And the idea, it's, it's in order to keep us safe from viral contact with handing dirty money, if you like. It will not be long before people all over the world will only have a card or a chip to access their funds. That plan has been there. We've known about that for a long, long time. And these cards or these chips and the like are all authorised electronically and individually. So without cash, the one who controls the authorisations can control our ability to buy something or to sell something. Now, that very idea brings to mind Revelation 13, 16 and 17, where we read of something that's going to happen during the tribulation period. We read of the false prophet who will support Antichrist. This is what the scripture says. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, now the mark of the beast. We've heard a bit about that the last couple of years. That's been certainly cast in front of us as well. So let's have a look at this mark of the beast. The Greek word that's translated here as mark literally means a mark or a stamp that is engraved or etched or branded or cut or imprinted. That's what it means. That's what the word means. So it will be obvious in some way, in some outward way, when an individual receives the mark, this thing in the scripture, which is very unique, the mark. with the directive will be able to buy and sell, quite possibly by the authorisation of an implanted chip. And chips are being implanted around Australia day by day. 
even before we left Perth, almost five years ago now, uh, there was a news article about people having a, a, a chip implanted in their hand, some on this side, some on this side, some on their left hand, some on their right hand. Uh, they could open the door of their, their uh, apartment. Uh, some of them had, had worked it out so they could start their motorbike. Uh, some, when they were getting on public transport, could just wipe their hand, and uh, that was their, their uh, tap-and-go card, if you like. Decisions regarding receiving the mark, listen to this, will be faced by the tribulation saints at the midpoint of the tribulation period, not by the church right now. And it will, it will indicate that the person who receives it agrees to worship the Antichrist and to follow his commands. Now, I haven't got time to go through it all, but this statement that talks about the mark of the beast comes at the midpoint of the tribulation. It does not apply today. All right? There is no mark of the beast that is being handed out right at this point in time. It will be demanded by the false prophet and refusal to accept it at that time will result in the inability for people to buy or sell anything and probably in death if they refuse to receive that mark. But let's be very clear. The Bible does not indicate anywhere that a person can receive the mark of the beast by accident or unknowingly. And this prophecy is given in the context of worshipping the beast. It has nothing to do with an injection. Please get that very clear. It's got nothing to do with an injection. This is the mark that will be here or it will be here in the hand. And it will be seen outwardly, and everybody will know you are a worshipper of the Antichrist, because that's what will be demanded in the time of the tribulation. What's the second thing that we can learn from what's been going on in our time? Well, COVID has allowed governments all over the world to exercise unprecedented controls. Those of us who are older, we're looking, we're saying, we've never known anything like this in our lifetime. And all of us have been put out by it, concerned by it. They seem to have so much authority. Although if you go back into the law, you'll find this authority was written back at the time of federation. The authority was given to state governments to be able to close borders and to be able to do some things like this for the health of the people within their state. It's not, it's not actually something new apart from the fact that it's only now been applied. So this is something that we're not used to. But it also shows us how quickly our liberties can be taken away, even lawfully. It didn't take much, did it? Until suddenly we found ourselves locked in. You can't go more than five kilometres. Sometimes for people, uh, you know, you can't even go out outside your home until you pass the contagious period or whatever it might be. Well, we do know that a time will come, especially from the midpoint of the tribulation, when the Antichrist is going to have absolute power upon the earth. This is in the middle of the tribulation period. Revelation 13, 5 and 7 tell us he was given authority to continue for 42 months. It tells us the exact amount of time. 42 months, three and a half years. And authority was given.
around him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Is there going to be a one world leader? Yes, there will be. What's the third thing that we can pick up of what might be, as it were, uh, lingering just on the stage left, ready to come onto the stage? Well, here's the third thing. There are a number of issues that some leaders claim that are just too important and too difficult for individual governments to handle. What's the big one at the moment? Climate change. And we've had a whole change of government here in Australia because... Uh, you know, that's been a, uh, an emphasis. We hear governments around the world talking about it and when the leaders get together, they pat each other on the back because they're all working together in this. <coughs> I'm not getting into a debate about <coughs> whether or not there is climate change. I'm just saying. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> the second one is terrorism. There's concern <coughs> There's concern over terrorism, over poverty, <coughs> over international crime and uh, health crises. And some have proposed the only way we can handle this is to form a one-world government in order to deal with it. So the point I'm trying to make to you is that people are talking about this idea. Don't, don't think they're not talking about it. It's just that it's not going to happen until the time of the, the Antichrist. <coughs> so what do we have that we can see that people have been talking about it? Well, with the outbreak of covid in 2020, former UK Prime Minister Gordon Brown that immediately, quickly, all the governments need to get together. We need to form a temporary form of global government to handle this pandemic. I don't know if you heard that on the news. That, that actually happened. There's also others. In June of 2017, Pope Francis of the Church of Rome he called for, and these are his words, <coughs> a new global political authority to deal with the problems of humanity. So there's good evidence that this concept is with us. Thank you. And uh, people are talking about it. <coughs> I've got so much I could talk about with regard to this. I've got to keep moving. <coughs> that people are talking about it in government circles in different places around the world. So the world is getting prepared for it. That's the point I'm making. Here's the next thing. The rebellion spoken of in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 may well be the culmination of events that we're experiencing even in our own society and certainly right around uh, the world at, at the moment. Paul wrote that a very specific time of apostasy would come. He called it the falling away. Now, we could talk about a falling away 
if we were talking about, well, how our morals in our society has gone down. But Paul uses the definite article. He says, the falling away. So he speaks of something that is unique. And in speaking about it, uh, we know that uh, there's a time of apostasy that's going to come, this falling away, just before the revelation of the Antichrist. We can get some indication of what this time might look like in Paul's letter to Timothy. And this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. In the last uh, days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have you ever wondered about those words? having a form of godliness. From the outside, it looks like the person is a godly person, but it's not with God's power. They just have the form. They just have the outer trappings. There's not somebody who is spirit-filled that's involved with this. And Paul says, and from such people, turn away. Now, while these characteristics uh, uh, indicate rebellion against God at any particular time, the falling away is a specific event and it's going to usher in an ungodly time. In the second half of the tribulation period, once the Antichrist has gained full control, it's going to culminate in open satanic worship and brazen blasphemy against God. That's what's going to happen. Uh, Revelation tells us. You can read about it in Revelation 13, 4 to 8. Around the world right now, there are many who claim to be Christians or claim to be godly people, uh, people who see themselves as spiritual. And all by their behaviour are embracing lifestyles and morals and philosophies that at, at best ignore God's word and at worst completely go against God's word. You just have a look at the society around us and see some of the people that stand up who are Christian, for example, and they stand up for things that the word of God says is an abomination. It's the world we live in. So these things are going to come. Here's number five. Preparation for the end times Technology to track and trace almost every person on the planet is already in use. It's already in use through mobile phone usage, for example. When I'm waiting for my wife to come home from work, if I want to know, I wonder how long it'll be before she gets home, I just look on my phone because my phone tells me where my wife's phone is. And so I know how far away from home she is or where she is, I can tell you, times when she's visiting the supermarket or things like that. That's just with my mobile phone. There's also facial recognition cameras that have been used, CCTV, and the requirements to register one's whereabouts. In July of 2018, here in our own state, our Premier announced that stadiums in Queensland were to get 
facial recognition technology from a kilometre away. The reason we needed that was to make our sporting venues secure and safe. So uh, if you go along to what used to be the old Lang Park, uh, it's no longer that way. In its modern form, uh, it now has facial recognition cameras. So they know who's there. So this type of technology is already widely in use. If you have a look over at this uh, map I've got over here on the side, all the countries in green are countries that are fully into using facial recognition technology. Did, did you hear last week about how Bunnings have been using facial recognition technology? And one of the super, supermarkets has been using it as well. You didn't know that, did you? Well, you might have. Not many of us did. It's been happening for some time. So they know where we are. And while QR codes, QR codes, by the way, have been around for years, uh, don't think that they just came up because of COVID. QR simply means quick reader. And it's, uh, it's, it's a special system that's worked out to give you a lot of information very quickly by just looking at a symbol. So QR codes have been used for us to check in uh, with COVID and it wouldn't take a whole lot for it to be used for a bad purpose. That's the point. Now, there are other things around that we could consider, but these examples are sufficient to demonstrate what may be a prelude to our prophetic future. We don't know when the tribulation will commence, but even now, God may be gradually setting the stage for its revival. He has told us in his word, it will come. So you're not going to be able to prevent it. It will come but we're not there yet. We all know right at the moment, life for many people is confusing, uncertain, troubling and scary. Even non-Christians are wondering what is happening. Now, as an older person, I I get a a blog site called Your Life Choices. Now, some of you may even receive it. It comes into my email every day. And in July of last year, this is what it said. It's hard to escape the feeling, this is secular, It's hard to escape the feeling that the end of the world is coming. There are increasingly extreme weather events caused by climate change and the COVID-19 pandemic shows no sign of passing. The authors of a study are taking the threat so seriously they have compiled a list of the countries most likely to survive the collapse of civilization. that people out there in secular world are thinking about what is happening in our world today. Uh, If you're in Sydney or in the south of Sydney right at the moment, you're probably really wondering what's going on right at the moment with these super floods that they've had now in the last three days. You know, so much rain came down. I I heard on the news tonight uh, one place had, had over 600 mils of rain in, in the last 36 hours. So all well, the waters are up again. The floods are coming through again. People are wondering, what's going on? Why is that world going crazy? Crazy? Why can't it just be the way it used to be? We're not allowed, uh, alone in our concerns. So what should a right Christian response be? Well, here's the first thing. We must not be consumed 
either by what we see happening around us or by our own thoughts and suspicions concerning the motives or actions of others. We, we need to be aware, but let's not be consumed by these things. I've known people over the last couple of years where it's been all-consuming. Have you known people like that? It's been crazy. We belong to God. We're Christians. He's the one who's our strength. He's the one who's our protector. He's the one who tells us what's going to happen into the future. His word should be our guide to truth and the meanings of these times, not social media or the internet. Confusion comes from Satan, but stability and peace comes from faith in Almighty God. And we need to get our eyes on Almighty God. He has promised he's never going to leave us, he's never going to abandon us. So that brings us to that second point. We must get our eyes firmly fixed on the Lord, prayerfully trusting him with every detail and every trial that we face. Now, we all know the simplicity of God's word. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Boy, isn't that relevant. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I love that where it says guard your hearts, that's your emotions, and your minds, that's your intellect, that's your thinking. So be anxious for nothing. Get your eyes on the Lord. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in shalom, shalom, it actually says in the original. Perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Third thing, well, we are called to be salt and light, especially at a time like this, and to testify of our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to help people around us see the Lord working in our own life. What, what good is our witness if we're, the, if we're the ones who are scared, we're chewing our fingernails, we're worried about what's going to happen? Oh, look what's, look what's taking place. It should be the other way around. What does God's word say? Ah, oh, yes, God knows these things. He understands these things. He's allowing these things. Sometimes he's bringing these things so we can trust in him. Unsettled when uh, there are those around us who need us to point them towards the peace that comes from the Lord. Some have suggested God is using this period right now, this unsettling period, to shake people. Because when people are shaken, that's when you know if their faith is real or if their faith is words. That's what he's calling us to. So, are we there yet? Well, not yet, but the time of the tribulation is coming and perhaps soon. What we need to do as we wait is lift our eyes to God and trust the one who is ultimately in control, no matter what stands before us. That's what we need to do. And that's where the peace will come from. Father, as we've gone through uh, these things of discussion tonight and 
even with some uh, um, difficulty at times. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, that you take us in our places of need and you say, trust me. And you point us back to your word and you say, look what I have told you. And Lord, when we take you at your word, when we trust you in what you've said, we find the peace of God that passes understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. So please, Father, help us now. Help us to shake off the fear, the worry, the concern. While these things are difficult things in our world and perhaps even impacting on our lives, we must keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your blessing. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the truth of it. And we commit ourselves to you and to your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Wednesday night, uh, right here, we'll be talking about the rapture of the church. And uh, so we'll get on to subjects that are a little bit uh, happier, let's say, than some of the stuff I've needed to, to deal with tonight. Uh, next week, I'll, I'll be with these folks at uh, Yungabara, uh, which we look forward to. And uh, Sunday night next week, we'll be talking about the kingdoms as prophesied in the book of Daniel. And uh, he talks about five kingdoms. And the last of those is uh, uh, the, uh, there's going to be a kingdom that is yet to come. So we've got these worldly kingdoms and then we've got this everlasting kingdom that's yet to come. That'll be next Sunday night. They can ask me at any time, and if you want to do that right now, I'm, I'm happy to do it right now, even in, in this environment. Okay. Uh, so people may have some questions. Uh, if they'd like to put some comments about what he shared tonight, uh, uh, let's focus on what he shared tonight, because he's going to be sharing more through the rest, rest of the week. You may answer your questions. Yeah. But does anybody have a question for Colin? Uh, don't forget, if you ask a question, it could be a question somebody else is a little bit shy to be asking. So yeah. uh, and, take and, the opportunity. And, and just as we go into that, I do apologise for that coughing before. I, I developed a bit of a, a throat bug and a bit of a sniffle, which I, I don't believe is COVID, but I've been with some people who've had a cold and I think I might be the start of a cold, so I apologise for that. Questions? Yes, Merv. Yes. Uh, I'd have to go back to that particular one. Uh, Oh, on here, of course I can. That's right. Apparently it works better that way. If you just take me back to that one slide on the facial recognition, that'll be the, the, the best one. Uh, now, this, this map was made up about uh, three or four years ago, so there may be changes in, in some of this. Um, but as far as I know, Israel does have facial re recognition. I'll just need to have a look at, at what's on that, that map uh, because it hasn't been something I've been asked about before. I know um, Belgium doesn't because it's against their constitution. There's uh, something in their constitution that didn't allow that to, to take place. Is it locked up, is it? Yeah. Won't, won't go back. Well, let me, let me try going forwards. No, it's, it's locked. Sorry. 
you can Google it at home if you'd like. I'm not, not going to Google it here while we're all talking together. But, but look, uh, in different countries, there are different levels. I don't know if you're aware that right now in China, uh, on street corners, you've got these things everywhere. Uh, they have the, the uh, shaming uh, things uh, in China at the moment, where if somebody is a jaywalker, if they go across where there's a red light, their face appears up on a big screen. Uh, yeah. And, and because the Chinese feel the, uh, the shame uh, of being shamed publicly, uh, that apparently is a very strong deterrent. But also, uh, if they go from one place to another, they now have to register where they are. So that's, that's already happening in China. We, we know that one. Uh, in terms of the, the uh, facial recognition in other places, uh, it's gradually being, being rolled out because it's supposed to be for our security. It's to protect us. It's to keep us from the terrorists and, and so on. And in the midst of good things, there's always going to be those, those bad things that can, can come from it. We've got it. All right. Thank you. Yep. I'll, I'll tell you something, you, you will have noticed the symbol of the United Nations was there on that last slide, and uh, I'll, oh, I must have gone too far. Oh, no, next one after this, that's right. I'll tell you something about the United Nations in just a moment. Okay, there it is. So this is with the facial recognition, uh, the, it's done by, by points. Uh, over here... Uh, Yeah, so it is in green. It's not in red up there. And, and, I, and I wouldn't have thought it was because I've been to Israel and uh, certainly there's cameras everywhere. So I would believe their facial recognition as well as CCTV. Uh, parts of Africa, of course, don't have it and that's mainly economic. Uh, and, uh, and there's, there's uh, uh, up here... out from the rest of Europe. I want to say something about the United Nations uh, because uh, there was a thing that came out on the internet uh, about 18, uh, sorry, not even 18 months ago, uh, just 12 months ago, saying uh, the United Nations has now revealed uh, their plans for the one world government. And uh, this guy that's talking about it, he said, you know, it's so clear, now you can see it all. They're openly, brazenly uh, telling us about the one world government. And uh, there's a document that they've written outlining how they're going to, going to do it all. Well, 
I thought, I'll do what I always do here. I'll look at primary sources. In other words, I'm not going to listen to what this guy is saying is happening because there are lots of people saying lots of things are happening. I want to have a look at the document. So I went to the United Nations website. The document is there. It was, it was put out in, I think it was in August of last year, actually. I had a look at this document, and uh, it's, uh, I think it's 86 pages. I, I downloaded it. I read it. The whole lot of it. I didn't find any mention of New World Order, One World Government. Hmm. I might have missed it. So I converted it to a Word document. I did a Word search. Do I find World Order? Nowhere in the document. Uh, do I find uh, one, one World Government? It's not there. What happened was Antonio Guterres, who does believe in bringing the world together under one government, let's not get that wrong, He's the, the uh, Secretary-General of the United Nations. He does, he does want a one-world government eventually. But in terms of what he wrote in that document, that document is talking about nations working together to stop problems with money laundering. So it talks about currency and talks about currency going from one country to another and how we need to set guards on that. This guy over here is interpreting that as, see, one-world currency, one world government. Uh, he talks in terms of uh, ways of stopping terrorism and how all of our uh, intelligence agencies need to work together. Over here, it's interpreted, see, he's trying to bring everybody together uh, under the, the one military now, under the one security. And it just goes on and on, and the, the words that this fellow was saying on the internet are just simply not true to that document. And I, I, I issue that as a cautionary tale because I had people on the internet, uh, heaps of people saying, look at this, look how, look how amazing this is that they're actually talking about it. Now, we've all heard those words, New World Order, haven't we? What does that mean? Because I bet you are thinking exactly what I used to think. New World Order, equal signs, one world government. Well, yes, there would have to be a new world order to get us to a point where there is a one world government. But the words new world order simply means there is an old world order. This is how things have been done in the past and now there is a new world order. Things are being done differently now and into the future. We heard our own Prime Minister talking about things with regard to Mr. Putin, uh, when this is Prime Minister Morrison, uh, who's a Christian, as we all know, uh, when uh, the Ukraine was invaded by Russia, Mr. Morrison said, he's challenging the world order. Well, he wasn't talking in some sort of code. This wasn't, you know, private speak about a, 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 a conspiracy. He was talking about a challenge to the order. The order is Russia... Russia knows that there are enemies over just over here with NATO and they won't step out of that because this lot are holding them in, in place and this guy has now broken the old order. He's actually taken the step of invading. So there's a new world order that is happening. So please don't be confused by people taking words 
which ultimately will lead us to a one-world government, but taking words now and making it say something now that it doesn't say. You've got to be really careful. I I work in this area of end times ministry. This is what I'm doing now. This is my, perhaps my final ministry in life. And uh, I'm dealing with this all the time. And unfortunately, there's so much conspiracy out there, it's very easy to get hooked up into something that unfortunately is somebody's web of understanding rather than what the scriptures say or what is truth. Yes, up the back. Okay, that's actually a very good question. Um, What you need to do is to have a look at the theological base of whoever it is that's speaking. Now, uh, if we had some folks from one of uh, what are generally regarded as the mainline churches, if we had a, a minister from there here with us tonight, he would probably say, that's a lot of nonsense. Uh, there's not going to be uh, a, a, a kingdom coming in the future. There's not going to be a kingdom upon the earth. Uh, there's uh, uh, what, what happens, and there's not going to be a rapture of the church as we think of the rapture of the church. That was the other major one I was thinking of. And why do they believe that? Well, in the fourth century, uh, there was a man by the name of Augustine who was premillennial in his understanding, and as he got older and as he studied the scripture, he came to the understanding that it's impossible for God, who is holy, and man, who is sinful, to dwell together in some sort of kingdom. Now, I don't know how he fitted Jesus coming in the incarnation, but his theory was you can't have the two together. So he wrote a 20-volume treatise known as uh, the city of God. It's it's a it's a uh, a classic uh, in the in ancient writings, and uh, in this great thing he wrote about the city of man, which represents sin, and the city of God, which represents uh, all that is right and righteous and holy and so on. And he came up with the understanding that when we die, we go to be with the Lord in heaven, and we believe the same thing. We believe that. And he said, and when we're with God in heaven, that's where we will stay. There's no more kingdom upon the earth. And those people who are saying what I used to believe, that there is a kingdom to come, are only saying that because they're thinking of themselves and what they want. They want a kingdom. They want, they want some glory. They want some, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But this doctrine uh, then uh, went on and it became the basic doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church and then it's still the doctrine of some of the mainline churches today. So when we talk about the rapture, they say there's not going to be a rapture. So how come we end up in such different places? And how can I say that what I believe is right and what they believe is wrong? Because they also say, There's no place for Israel. God is finished with Israel. We are now spiritual Israel. The church is spiritual Israel. And there's a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that. 
Why? How does this end up? Let me tell you exactly how it ends up. When you take the scriptures literally, and you start with word one, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and I do, I believe God created, I believe he created as part of that, you know, all the animals and all the rest of it, male and female, and I don't believe that evolution is true. I don't believe it's true. At the other end, Christ is coming again and it talks about a kingdom for a thousand years. That's in Revelation chapter 20. Six times. A thousand years, it says. So what happens? Well, I have some of my brethren who love the Lord. Don't get me wrong in this. I'm not putting other people down. I'm simply saying why there's a difference when it comes to end time studies. When you take a literal interpretation, when it talks about Israel, it means Israel. When it talks about the church, it means the church. And when you have uh, Paul talking about Israel and the church in the same sentence, it's talking about two groups of people. We believe that what God has promised to Israel, all of his promises, every one of them, is going to be fulfilled. So where do you end up with, if you take this view, where some of it is literal and then some of it is spiritual? And that's what they say. They say you can't understand prophecy because it's all spiritual. So when you ask them, well, what's the millennium? Oh, they say the millennium is the period of time between when Christ came the first time and when he comes the second time. But hold on a minute, that's over 2,000 years already. Ah, oh, yes, but it doesn't mean a millennium. It means a long period of time. So as soon as somebody says a thousand years doesn't mean a thousand years, it means a long period of time, that's spiritualizing. And as soon as somebody says, well, Christ is already sitting on the throne. He's sitting on the throne in heaven. But wait on, the prophecies say he's going to sit on the throne of David and he's going to rule over the earth. No, 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 he's sitting on the throne in heaven right now. Really? Well, in my Bible it says he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he's going to come again, and when he comes he's going to rule from Jerusalem, from the temple, over all the earth for a thousand years. Because that's literally what it says. That's where the difference is, folks. As soon as you have a different way of interpretation and you spiritualize parts of the scripture, you end up in a different place. If you go back to the early church, up to that, that time in the 400s, they were all premillennial. They all believed there was a kingdom to come. It's only from that time that there was a change. And uh, now it ends up with the stage we have this group who are termed amillennial. There's no millennium. No millennium. Then you have another group called postmillennial. They say, well, here we are, the church on the earth, We've got to get out there amongst the people in our society and everybody is going to eventually become converted to Christianity. We're going to have a progressively Christian world and then we're going to offer that kingdom to Christ. That's not what it says in my Bible. It says things are getting worse. And not only are they getting worse, it's going to get to the point where it's, it's devilish, it's evil in the time of the tribulation period. See, as soon as you mess with God's word, you mess with what's true. You're making it say something that it doesn't say. 
But if you stick to the literal interpretation of the word of God, you'll see this. When I talk next Sunday night about the prophecies in Daniel, we're going to look at figurative language. He talks about beasts coming from the sea and beasts from the earth. And you think, well, see, how could that possibly be literal? Well, the words are not literal in the sense of a beast coming from the sea, but then it tells us what it means. These are nations arising. So this is just an image to give us something that is literal. There is really going to be these nations that will, will come up. Thank you. I needed to say all of that to tell you the trusted sources. If you want to know very good teaching, particularly on end times, you won't go wrong with somebody like David Jeremiah. You won't go wrong with a website called gotquestions.org. You won't go wrong with what used to be called Radio Bible Class. They're now called uh, um, Our Daily Bread. Uh, You won't go wrong with, with those ministries. You certainly won't go wrong with Friends of Israel. We're very conservative in our, in our uh, ministry. Uh, so there are a few that uh, you, could, you could look to. Uh, sometimes people say, have you got any good Bible studies? Yep, I've got a few Bible study that, that you can do from Friends of Israel. But David Jeremiah also has some very good Bible studies uh, on end times uh, as well. So there are some good sources that uh, you can use. Uh, gotquestions.org is a good general website to know about if you've got questions of various parts uh, of the scripture and you want to want to see what they've got to say uh, because they're coming from the same theological base and when you do you end up in the same place that's I haven't got my Bible here. Uh, Daniel 9.27, I believe. Yeah. Um, I know it's a big subject and I'll have it just taken on notice, but do you have scriptural reference for the rapture prior to the tribulation? Come along, Come along on, Wednesday, on Wednesday night. <laughs> okay. Okay, because because I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, the three big texts that are involved with that, uh, John 14, and uh, then 1 Thessalonians 4, and uh, also uh, 1 Corinthians 15. So I'll be, I'll be going to each of those, and then I'm going to compare uh, the, the rapture of the church with the second coming of Christ, uh, and why they're, they're different. Um, by the way, uh, somebody who spiritualizes the scripture still believes there's going to be a rapture, but this is how they believe it's going to happen. When Christ comes back, he's going to come down and those who are still on the earth, who have trusted in him, are going to rise up to meet him and then they're going to come back down to the earth with him and go into the the, uh, uh, eternal kingdom. Just straight there. No no, uh, thousand-year kingdom, but uh, what we call the eternal state. Uh, But yes... uh, Tune in on the. Yeah. When I'm talking about Israel, I'm talking about uh, Israel as representative of the people. I'm talking about a nation of Jewish people, even though there there are 
Uh, all tri 12 tribes are, are found, yes, certainly. Uh, the, the, there's been lots of, lots of teaching over the years about you know, tribes that went to, to Europe, and uh, uh, tribes that went to uh, England, I mean, and uh, tribes that went to America. Uh, Mormon belief is, is on that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, folks, take it. It's a fascinating place to visit. Uh, we do take uh, study tours there if you're interested. Uh, where our next one should be next next year, but it's just fascinating to go there and to be able to see what God has done in that land exactly according to His Word where he said he would make the desert bloom. Amazing stuff. Don't forget to draw us a place. Yep.